How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast. My name is Shane, I'm your host of the only Suns show by fans, for fans. Joining me this week is the one and only Tom. How are you, mate? <laughs> G'day. You there, Tom? Yeah, I'm yeah. here. Sorry, you cut out there for a sec. Oh, well, I'm here, I'm well, um, bored out of my brain, but um, as we've come into this... this uh, live show a few things have sort of come up in the news for us to talk about so i'm pretty happy for that because yeah no footy means not that much fun yeah there there hasn't been much going on it's been a real sluggish uh, few weeks since our last episode but we are back we've got a little bit of news to talk about we've got special guest mitch cleary coming onto the show in a few moments to tell us about his top five moments for the suns and we're going to recap and reminisce on the good old days Although, for some of us, those days that we're going to reminisce are, are more recent than others. So, it's going to be a great episode. Let's first start off by thanking our old soul Patreon donors, Jack Stad, Dale Snelling, Paul Vosti, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Chris Moore, Robbie Fiorini, Tom Kim and Tim. Thanks for supporting the show, guys. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're doing our best to bring you guys some decent content. And uh, this show wouldn't be possible without your help. Now, let's jump into the news first, Tom. We've got Kalinda Howarth. She's been named in the All-Australian side for the yeah, AFLW. Yeah, fantastic news, isn't it? I mean, um, to clarify, we previously announced that um, Jamie Stanton and Jade Progelli and Kalinda Howarth made it into the All-Australian squad, but that's 40 players. So coming, so this is the top twenty-one. This is this is the named side with positions. Kalinda's been named on the bench, but um, there's a, another young lady by the name of Taylor Harris who's also on the bench. So that gives you an idea of, of you know the the achievement that Kalinda's made in in uh, in this year, really her breakout season. So I uh, couldn't be happier for her. Yeah, it's fantastic effort. She was one of the highlights for the AFLW this year, watching Suns games. A couple of other girls obviously unlucky to miss out, but at least there's one son there in the inaugural year. Yeah, well, even Frio only got like two players in, and we saw firsthand how good they were. So, uh, yeah, tough team to make, and uh, and yeah, really well done, Kindy. Uh, in other news, the Gold Coast Suns leading the way to establish an, a hub in southeast Queensland uh, for the inevitable return of the AFL in season 2020. Uh, this would consist of up to six teams or more to join the the ranks up here at the Gold Coast, uh, stay in the area, be isolated, 
and uh, play a bunch of several games in a short space of time. Mm. Uh, this looks like it could be a potential way to get the competition restarted, Tom. Yeah, every day it, it seems like a stronger prospect. Um, people are linking the Gold Coast. Like, Obviously, Melbourne's going to be one of those hubs, but they can't accommodate all of the games. And it wouldn't really be fair if, if the Melbourne teams didn't have to at some point go and, and join a hub elsewhere. Uh, Darwin's been floated as well, which is of interest to us because we were going to be playing a game in Darwin. So potential possibly for us to our team to, to go up there for a month or so and play a few games or uh, the, their hub uh, could be concurrent to ours, which, you know, I mean, good for them to get some footy. But, yeah, I'd like to see the Suns playing in Darwin this year, which uh, wasn't a prospect a couple of days ago. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure how it's all going to work, but why don't we get Mitch Cleary on the line and ask him how that's going to work work out for us? The magic of live podcasts. <laughs> Hello, Mitch. How are you? Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. So, uh, thanks for talking to me. I'm Shane. Uh, we've we've been in discussions. We are live on the GC Sunscast at the moment. Uh, on the other end of the line as well, we've got Tom. Hi, Mitch. How are you going? Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, a bit going on in footy at the moment, and. Uh plenty sort of centering around southeast Queensland so it's exciting yeah so we were just discussing the AFL hub in southeast Queensland that uh, Mark Evans floated last week and seems like Brisbane's come out and support it more recently can you tell us any more about how you would imagine that working out yeah I think the the, the southeast Queensland between the Gold Coast and Brisbane is a great alternative because you've got two grounds with facilities for broadcast and the lights for night games and the AFL obviously going to be a big push in having prime time games so being able to play night games uh, at the, the Gabba and the Gold Coast is going to be pretty um, pretty important um, I, I think there'd be you know six clubs if they if they go to have three hubs six clubs in that area um, every club plays every four four or five days and um, I just think the resorts and the, the accommodation facilities not only the climate um, in the Gold Coast area is a big tick and a big reason why I think it's um, a front runner alongside Melbourne at the moment. Okay, um, we've also heard rumours of Darwin being involved in a hub. Do you think this is going to affect the potential hub in southeast Queensland, with uh, Gold Coast having committed to playing at least one game in Darwin, but that seems to have gone out the window with the COVID stuff this year? Yeah. I just see Darwin being probably a further bit behind in in terms of the facilities and the um, the infrastructure there. I only say I think that the, the Gold Coast Brisbane um, dual sort of hub works best, and and that's why it's so so cons- being strongly considered is because it is got two fantastic venues. Metricon's an awesome ground, um, Gabba as well, and the Suns being able to have considerable control over Metricon is a big um, sort of tick in their favour. Whereas you look at Darwin, um, yes, it's being considered like a few other different options around the, the nation, but uh, I, I just think, it's too, one, it's very hot up there. You need to get the good night games and that sort of thing. And the, the, the lights and the facilities, I haven't been up there for, uh, for AFL footy. I think it's just a fair way behind um, Gold Coast and Brisbane. So I'd have that probably in the next run um, for that uh, for consideration. 
And are we looking at only six teams in that hub total, or do you think there could be more? Well, there's speaking to a couple of clubs today, I've spoken to a couple of um, club chief executives today. I think the initial feel is there'll be either two or three hubs to start. So I think Melbourne will be one, just because you've got 10 teams in Melbourne to begin with, and it's in terms of flights and accommodation costs, it's just going to be easier. So one, and then... Um, if there is a second, I think it would be southeast Queensland and then potentially a third. So I reckon either two or three hubs. Um, Gold Coast and Queensland is well and truly in the running for that second one. And then maybe if they go to three, um, potentially Adelaide or or Perth, in my opinion, just because of um, the quality of grounds and the facilities they've got in, in both markets. Yeah, fair enough. Um, all right. Well, I think that concludes our news. Tom, you got anything <laughs> else to add? Oh, no, no, I think Mitch covered it pretty well. I do have one question, though. Um, Andy Mars came out today and said that mid-May is a likely starting date. Are you hearing similar similar sort of uh, information, Mitch? Yeah, geez, everyone's had a, a go at the dates. And I, to be honest, I'm just guessing because the AFL haven't really come to any formalised opinion yet. So I'm just going to be like Andy and probably throw my hat in the ring with that. So the, we're going to know May 11 as to what the, the plan forward is. And then mm. from there, I reckon we'll get a date when they can start training. The other the other thing to consider is, as part of these hubs, there is some feeling that um, clubs may go straight into the hub environments to start training. So using the Suns as an example, um, they may not actually congregate in Gold Coast. Their, their first, um, let's let's say it is Melbourne as the only hub, which is, I think is unlikely, but um, these, these hub scenarios... Teams in a state that have to move for a hub may only may start training as a group when they're first in that hub environment. So let's hope for Gold Coast sakes, boys, that um, mm. that, that, that Gold Coast is one of the hubs and everyone can get back there and they can be all in one environment. But let's say um, Adelaide Crows, as an example, if, if, they, if they're asked to move to the Gold Coast Queensland hub, um, they may not actually come together in, in Adelaide. They may come together for the first time in Gold Coast. So there's quite a few new things to jump through. I still think that end of June, start of July date is um, best case scenario for for what we're looking at for um, a return to games. Yeah. yeah. So I said I said mid May, but I meant mid June. Um, yeah. As you say, that magic date, May eleventh, is when we'll we'll know for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's exciting, pretty cool. I, I think the um, you know, we're speaking here Tuesday evening, um, early this afternoon. The players have had a hook-up and there's been a few sort of concerns raised from the players about being in the hubs for such a long period. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where that falls because players with young families and if you can't have, you know, large gatherings at your home, leaving your partner with young kids might be a drama. So I'm going to be fascinating mm-hmm. to see um, how many players maybe potentially opt out of not going to the hubs because there may be one or two across the comp. Well, in, in the AFLW with, with those lockouts, we... We, we did see there was a little bit of kind of, you know, bending of the rules where, you know, potentially, you know, players were playing their first games and, and the clubs were, were sort of like, all right, well, you, your family's going to have to come. And and um, I think that might have even happened in round one with the AFL men's. So you'd, you'd kind of imagine that taking family members along for the, for the duration, I mean, we're talking about four or five weeks, aren't we? It's got there's yeah. got to be some common sense there, and I'm not suggesting there will be crowds of 500 or anything like that, but you'd, you'd imagine it's not going to be skeleton. They're going they're going to have some sort of um, you know moral support because they're young kids, you know, 18, 19 years of age. Mm. You've got to you've got to expect that they'll have they can't just be isolated completely for that length of time. Yeah, 
and the other thing to consider going the other way, I guess, is the the cost of all this because not only do you have to accommodate all the people that come along with the players, but it's going to be you know expensive to test everyone. I, I don't see a scenario where you can have a quarantine hub and not be able to test everyone who goes in there. So that's just another layer to it all. They've got to be fed. Mm. They've got to, uh, you know, there's so many little elements that, that go into it. But um, I think one thing is for sure, we're going to be starting AFL games in some sort of hub system. And uh, fingers crossed, it is on the Gold Coast because, gee, there's not many better places in the, the world right now with the climate uh, in the middle of a, of a winter of a football season than what Gold Coast has to offer. I, I uh, was listening to your, your podcast with Cal Toomey and Riley Beveridge today, AFL Exchange, and uh, you guys posed the question as to whether you uh, you guys would be willing to move to a hub for work. Obviously, your work is a bit different, but could we actually see uh, reporters such as yourself move up to one of these hubs if that's where all the football's being played? Say what? If that's uh, if that's a consideration, I'll be putting my hand as far in the air as I could to get the Gold Coast um, Brisbane one. Just having spent some time up there, um, you know, in June or July, it's um, pretty awesome compared to what Melbourne has to offer. I think we said on that podcast, um, and that's true. I think it just it, it, I, I would be happy to do it as long as everyone is tested, um, because you know safety and health is paramount. Mm. Um, we are in the lowest risk sort of bracket we're all guys in our 20s and early 30s but um you know let's see I, i'd love the chance but there's also the the other scenarios you know who's going to pay for uh my sort of in my time in that environment and would it be easier just doing it all over zoom calls and having press conferences and interviews with players like we are now yeah. um over over internet because it seemed to be working i think people have been pretty receptive to the whole thing as it sits yeah, well, if it does come into place, I would imagine you'd have a fierce competitor for that spot with uh, Cal <laughs> Toomey, a uh, friend of the show, Cal Toomey. He he, he, he loves it today. up here. He um he did uh, he did tell me that he's been on the show a couple of times and loves the Suns cast. And I know he spent some time up there last year, um, you know, getting to know a bit more of the inner workings, and um, I had a great time getting to know the. The chef and, um, you know, having inside access to all the meetings. So um, he's a big fan of the Gold Coast Suns. I know he spent quite a bit of time with some of the, the draftees that have um, that have gone in the early rounds in recent years. Well, we'll be hoping to have Cal on the show soon as well to help fill some of the void while we've got no football. But for now, we've brought you onto the show, Mitch, to give us a, um, a few of your top five Suns moments. Now, these aren't particularly on-field moments. I... Uh, I, me, for instance, I was privileged enough to be involved with a lot of the stuff that happened off-field in the early days. So for me personally, some of those moments are up in my, my top five. Um, before we get started, I do have a question that's come in for you from Mount Isa Mustang. Uh, he's asking if you're aware of any trade targets the Suns might be chasing for 2020. That is a great question, and it's actually something we've been chatting about amongst the office in terms of um, with clubs like the Gold Coast Suns and if list sizes get reduced just using uh, one example a player at Collingwood might be uh, you know sitting 25 to 30 in their ranking on the list and, and maybe squeezed out as part of this you know salary cap squeeze that's inevitable at the end of this season a club like Gold Coast like they have in, in recent times might say well, we see this player as a first choice 22 player for our club they may try and make a move. Now, at the higher end, we all know last year, Brad Crouch was a player of interest. The Suns had 
definite interest in him. Um, and I think it all came down to the Crows not wanting to allow a, a reigning best and fairest winner to move. Now, fast forward to 12 months when the trade period, whenever that does come, happens this year, I just doubt whether the Suns actually need a player like Brad Crouch because you look at what they added in the off-season last year, Raul and Anderson, Raul and Anderson the obvious two, um, uh, um, Brandon Ellis in um, in the wing, and then you've got um, Hugh, Hugh Greenwood from yep. the Crows. And then Sam Flanders is a player that um, we didn't see in round one, but I think it has enormous upside and was seen as a, as a top 10 pick, and the Suns swooped in that first round as well. So I just think the biggest need, in my opinion, for the Suns would be a key defender. Um, love Rory Thompson, and I know he's got a long-term contract to come. Jack Homsch is serviceable, but I just think that need um, to allow a player like Jack Lukosius, is if he is going to be a, a half-back, to not have to play on the, the monsters and to allow a player like him to, to be this distributor or half-back. So that would be by, my biggest need because I think they're pretty well sorted in the key post in attack, Ben King and Peter Wright. Fingers crossed Peter can get it together. I just think um, that's my biggest area of um, concern at the Suns is that is a key defensive post. Yeah, 100% agree with you there. Uh, Mustang goes on to ask whether you know what you could tell us about the, the Ben King offer that he received from St Kilda last year but ended up signing with the Gold Coast. Do you have any idea roughly how much those figures were? I don't have figures, to be honest. All I, all I know is that looking at the Bradley Hill trade, so when St Kilda acquired him from Fremantle, the Saints didn't want to part with a future first-round pick, which is that 2020 first-round pick for this year, mm. because they they'd sort of had it pigeonholed for for Ben King. He re-signed, fantastic story for the club, and I, I think, and as I was, as Mark Evans has said, and as Stuart Jew has said before, I think it was a catalyst for bringing this group together. A big figurehead like Ben King to be the future of the club. I'm not sure how far along the line the Saints did come with a monetary offer. I think it was more they were waiting to see what it would look like at the end of 2020. But um, luckily for the Suns' case, he put that to bed himself and now he's, he's locked away for the next, um, next three seasons. Well, yeah, great mm. news for that for Ben King and it was huge news for Suns fans hearing that come through. All right, now let's jump into our top five Suns moments and let's start with... Challenge accepted. Can uh, I ask before we get into this? Yeah, sure. Is this, is this all positive? Or I've actually got a story that I can share. The day I was, I was flown to the Gold Coast to cover the, the day Carmichael Hunt got caught um, with his illicit substances. But I'm happy to do all positive because I do have a few up my sleeve. Yeah, uh, bring it on, bring it on. Because I mean, most memorable doesn't necessarily have to mean that had a great outcome from for the Suns. It could it could be something like that. I, I've got a couple of borderline things that are, that are sort of uh, had a bad outcome, but they were very memorable at the time. So go for it. Yeah. All right. So I'll start. Um, what we'll do is we'll do two each, and then the last round will just be our, our top moment. So I'll start with number five being the whole Carmichael Hunt experiment. It yep. was fantastic to watch Carmichael Hunt change from a rugby league player to an AFL player, seeing the change in his body, it was great to get along and watch him play live. And then I guess the sealer was seeing him kick that goal after the siren against Richmond in 2012. It was just a, a great moment to be a part of. As you mentioned just before, it did kind of go downhill for Carmichael Hunt, but 
I feel like by that stage, everyone had sort of gotten over the experiment and it wasn't such a big deal what he was doing um, because he just wasn't playing regular senior fo footy. Um, and the fourth point, uh, my fourth favourite was the Sydney win back in 2018. The Suns had a lot of their key players out and they managed to overcome one of the, the form teams of the competition and uh, Pip Sydney at the post. It was a great win to watch. So, uh, Tom, do you want to go on? Yeah. Uh, so uh, th this is one of those ones where, uh, where where the outcome was terrible for the Suns, but it, the memorable game for me was the uh, round 16, 2014, which everyone will remember that's when Gaz did his shoulder. And that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm actually saying was the memorable thing and what stuck with me from that game was the Suns, went on to win the game. And even though they didn't end up making finals, it was kind of like once Gaz had gone down, it looked like he was going to be gone for the year. The team really had to win to keep their finals chances alive. And it was just a, a really young team and they really pulled together and, and um, yeah, loved it. And then, of course, we found out, you know, subsequently <laughs> that uh, the rest of the season was doomed because Gaz wouldn't be playing at all. But anyway, that's that, that's uh, that's my, my bittersweet memory of that. Right. And for number four, uh, Took Miller. Uh, Took Miller in Q Clash 15 just had a ma an amazing game, basically saved the game by smothering a shot at goal in, in the last minute or two. Uh, and, of course, there was a little bit of a negative press because Dane Zorko refused to shake his hand afterwards. But mm. uh, more memorable for Took's performance and winning uh, best on ground. All right, hit us, uh, Mitch. Oh, I've got a couple. That, that win over Sydney at the SCG, uh, that upset and, and how big that was, I think that was a really important time in the history of the Gold Coast Sun. So that's right up there. And those scenes after the game, the celebrations were, were pretty cool. And the other, the, other, the other game, and you guys will, will probably correct me on this, but Gary Ablett's um, performance against St Kilda at Metricon Stadium, I think it was 2013, kicked four goals... And was it, it, it would actually go down as one of the best single performances I've seen from any player in history. That that day he carried the Gold Coast Suns over the line against the Saints, kicking goals in the run, snapping from 50 metres. That was um, that was one of the most memorable games I can remember watching the Suns. Yeah, 2013 mm. round one we played St Kilda. Um, yeah, 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 that was a great game. Yeah. I guess just um, really, you really sad to think the Suns were on their way. Um, in the, in those days, and just with Gaz just playing arguably the best footy of his whole career, and, and Mitch, you're a you're a Cats fan. I mean, you, you, would you say uh, Gaz played his best footy for the Suns or for the Cats? I think if you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Pete Gary, if you had to nail it to a little two or three year window, would have would have been his first couple of years at Gold Coast. Brownlow medalists um, at Gold Coast. There were there were games when he was literally unstoppable for Gold Coast clubs. And there wasn't, there weren't too many other players, as you guys would know, weren't too many other players you had to stop in in Suns' <laughs> colours. But clubs literally couldn't do anything about it. And 
compared to what he did at Ge- his, his last couple of years before he went to Gold Coast were huge at Geelong. But mm. you had Ablett, uh, Chapman, Bartel, Johnson, Kelly, Joel Corey all in that midfield. He was a one-man band at that, that Gold Coast in the first couple of years. And I, I think that um, just speaks to how, how dominant he was. Yeah, you just have to look at the first Suns win against Port Adelaide being 30-odd yep. points down and Gary Ablett just took the game by the scruff of the neck and uh, the Suns got their first win by the skin of their teeth. <laughs> okay. Uh, April, April champs, we are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so number three for me is the unveiling of the club song in Guernsey. I was fortunate enough to be at the the members event for that and... I was sceptical walking in. We had heard rumours we were going to be called the Gold Coast Pirates, the Gold Coast Sharks, uh, the Gold Coast um, Stingrays, but they completely surprised me when it came out that it was the Gold Coast Suns. And by the end of the night, I was convinced that it was the right thing. The, the Guernseys looked great. I loved the wave that they had on the early designs. And um, it was a great night in total. So for me, that was a highlight. And uh, second was the first ever Q Clash win against Brisbane. Uh, the first time I'd seen them win live and I had great seats on the wing of the Gabba and saw everything. I saw Jared Brennan running around, picking up balls one-handed, uh, Nathan Cracker taking speckies in front of me, uh, kicking five goals. It just had everything that game. It was a fantastic game to watch. Tom? Yeah, um, that you and I have compared lists, so um, we don't have a, a games in common. But uh, yeah, that that would have that, that's t- that's top ten for me for sure. Um, I've gone with a little bit more recency bias because, as as most listeners know, I I lived in Melbourne for the first seven seasons of the Suns, seven and a half seasons of the Suns' existence. So um, I haven't actually been to that many Metricon games, but the last year the game against Frio. I, I was sitting with a Frio fan. It was just just the way things worked out, and um, yeah, we were we were sort of commentating the game with each other, and just Sam Collins, you know, marking the game to win it. And later on, you saw Ross Lyons' reaction in the commentary box. You know, the player that he delisted a couple of years ago comes back to haunt him. So yeah, that was a very memorable moment. I've I've rewatched that. I was there live, but I've rewatched it a couple of times, and just amazing scenes. The crowd just went berserk. And uh, number two, uh, same month, same 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 season. Jack Bowes kicking his goal in the in in the in the last forty five seconds ago, I think it was, and about fifteen Suns players all tried to pick the ball up, and Carlton defenders were just desperately scrambling. And then Jack Bowes, who had had joked with with Stuart Jew before the game that he he'd kicked the winner on his wrong foot, he kicked the ugliest left foot kick you could you could imagine. It went about. Ten feet in the air, and just dribbled in. And I was, I was in the um, in the cheap seats behind the goal there, and uh, oh, I was, oh, tears streamed down my face. It was amazing. Yeah, I, you know why I love that day. I got the match footy from that. Now I still need to get Bosey to sign it for me, but I've got Tuke Miller's signature on there, so that'll do for now. Okay, and um, Mitch, what's your number three? So I got that game, Harley Bennell kicked six goals against Geelong at, at Metricon. And that was when Geelong was still probably the peak of their powers and, and had a lot of good players. I actually caught myself watching a bit of that game on replay um, a few weeks back. He was, for, I don't know, he would have been only two or three years into his AFL career. 
number two pick. That's when Harley Bennell announced himself to the competition. It was a Saturday night game. I still remember watching it at the time. And, you know, people thought, John, we're going to go up to, to Gold Coast and, and waltz it in. But Harley had other ideas and um, six goals, 20, deep 20 touches. Um, that was that was up there in terms of individual performances I've seen in Suns colours. Yeah, that was a really special moment. And it's a real shame about what's happened to Harley Bennell since then. He, he just hasn't been able to get it right with all the with his body and all the off-field stuff. Um, is he still travelling all right down at Melbourne? Yeah, so a couple of reports in recent weeks that he's, he's ramping up his running. We've all heard that before when it comes to Harley, but he seems to be enjoying it. This, uh, the Melbourne Footy Club have thrown their arms around him. Um, I just hope for his, his sake that he can he'd get back on the park because it, it seems things just don't fall his way when he's not training well or he's not being able to perform at his best so yeah. hopefully for him he's got a young uh young child now harley so hopefully that can um you know deliver him to become a bit more of a, a well-rounded person yeah well hopefully we see some more of his talent in the future okay and uh number two mitch yeah again probably i hate to be too negative on it on a uh the sun's cast podcast but guy mckenna's sacking i can still remember where i was that night mm. um and just the, the John Witherif, uh press conference. Uh, it all came after that, that season when uh, it just unraveled for the Suns. It's, it felt like sort of reporting on it at the time that the senior players became really involved and, and quite vocal in the whole the whole situation. And um, the first sacking of a coach. Coach sackings, to be honest, are always, always big stories. But this one, mm. just the, the cameras outside and um, just remember at the time how big that was uh, in the landscape of the AFL. Yeah, it was mm. a really strange moment. I, it's caught me by surprise. Um, do you feel like now it, it's, with the hindsight, um, it was the right move? It's a great question. Um, like knowing what, what the culture was like at that stage of the, the Suns' history, do you feel like McKenna played a huge part in that and that's why he needed to go? I was never too... Uh, I, I, I was probably pro McKenna if anything early on because he let's be honest he, he was starting from scratch and new coach and he had all the uh, energy to do it I just think once the players have had their say on a coach like that and what it felt like at the time it, it was the right decision to move him on um, Rodney Ede the decision to, to get him um, I think he's a fantastic coach Rodney Ede but maybe the generation may have just passed him and that's people you speak to just felt that he couldn't relate to the younger guys. Uh, I think he's a great yeah. administrator, Rodney Rodney Ede, but just in terms of what the club needed at that time, maybe it would have been, you know, something to go after a younger coach um, at the time. But that's just, I guess, hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? Yeah, I've heard similar stuff from inside the four walls of the footy club as well since Rodney Ede left. Um, so it's very. It was a very interesting time in the Suns' yeah. career to go down that path, but you understand why they felt like they needed a an experienced coach in there to to set the law and try to control yeah. some of these unruly players. But yeah, it seems like they they probably should have lined that up a bit better with a, a, even a more relatable assistant coach or something. And when I say that, uh, you look at um, the Rodney Ed appointment. If you had a, if you had your time again, we would just say, oh, a Stuart Jew type appointment would be would be awesome. And I think that's the type of coach that I'm talking about would have been great to take control of that time. But 
then again, Stewie Drew comes in. We're heading into his third season now, and the results haven't come. I know it's been a, a major shift in the last 18 months of the footy club, but just in terms of um, his age demographic, uh, his ability to build culture at the Swans and how important that was, um, you know, maybe the, the coach isn't the be-all and end-all and maybe the players need to take a bit of responsibility when it comes to all this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Suns' off-season was fantastic. Everyone was talking about how well they were playing in the preseason, but it just didn't click in round one. I, I'd like to put yeah. it down to Port Adelaide came to town. They came to yeah. town and play. I never rated Port Adelaide up until that game, and uh, now I actually see... Their, their hard work ethic, their pressure that they were applying. I think it, that whole game came down to Port Adelaide coming to play and Gold Coast just not showing up. So well, hopefully we'll get some footy in this year and we can see the Suns improve and make amends, but they really disappointed a lot of people with that round one performance. Okay, so... Hey, can I just, just say one thing about that and yeah. ask, ask Mitch's opinion as well? Um, that game for the Suns coincided with the... Uh, the, the AFLW Suns team getting walloped over in Frio. And I felt, watching that game in the afternoon, and I wondered, well, would the, the men's team be sort of, you know, watching it or have half an eye on the on the score? And it just seemed like the... Because um, I, I went to Metricon and saw all of the games. Obviously, I couldn't go see that one, but I went to see all the pre-season games. And it was a completely different side. They just didn't have their mojo. So, what, do you, Mitch, do you think maybe... Um, you know, AFL men's and, and women's teams, they, they, they're kind of close, aren't they? And do you think something like that could, uh, you know, just, just uh, affect the team's performance? Potentially, yeah. And I'm not too sure the exact inner workings and how close they would be. I know having covered closer, I guess, the Victorian clubs, they're not as close as you would think maybe the, the AFLW and the AFL men's programs. But for mm. a state club and, a, and an isolate, you know, Gold Coast is sort of backs against the wall a lot of the times and a, a new team. And I know a lot of the young Gold Coast players are very good with the community and they love putting time into the um, into the club programs like this, especially because, um, and like I've heard with a lot of interstate clubs, is people move to these clubs as young guys and it's all they've got is a footy club. So it becomes a bit more of a family and a community environment. So maybe that did relate because, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's as good an example as I can put my finger on because, like you guys, I watched the Suns in pre-season I thought we may have been able to see a slight shift, but to kick four goals on your home deck in round one um, was was massively disappointing for me. Mm. Yeah, well, uh, you know, you, you've got a situation where there's the boys and girls academies, so you know, a player like yeah. um, you know Jack Bowes, he would he would know he he would have known these girls since you know they were twelve, so or if you're fifteen, you know. Um, so there's there's sort of you know there is that sort of element to it. But yeah, I mean obviously they had different training times and they kept apart obviously. But um, yeah, I I just I just thought it was a a really tough day for the club um, when we were just so confident and just you know on cloud nine uh, because both teams were in good form and Shane and I were having a great time doing podcasts about how good the season mm-hmm. was going to be and then mm-hmm. everything got tipped on its head that day and the following week there was even worse news and the whole the whole comp got cancelled so yeah anyway we'll, we'll move along all right to get things back on track number one favorite moment for the suns round 10 metricon stadium 2011 the first uh suns game at metricon stadium was against your team mitch geelong and uh 
I think the first three quarters, I thought the Suns were, were going to take it up to Geelong, but uh, Geelong ended up running away with about 10 goals. Uh, but it was a great atmosphere that seeing Metricon Stadium full for the first time, um, seeing the Suns live on the Gold Coast, fantastic thing to watch. I've never actually, so I've been to Metricon Stadium a couple of times, but I've always, I've never actually had the chance to watch a game. And every time I watch a, a big game like that, night game, Saturday night, and seeing people have, you know, you guys would know the, the ground inside out, but on, on TV, the left half forward flank where there's a bit of that bar environment, that to me just um, speaks to how good it would be. But I'm just looking at the game, 11 points, the Suns are up at half time. Stevie J kicks seven, put the Suns to the sword after half time. They, uh, mm. I do remember it being a bit of a scare at the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, if, if the Suns got, got competition points for leading at half-time, <laughs> <laughs> be in the finals every other year. Okay, uh, so, uh, Tom, your favourite moment? Yeah, look, um, and this would be a bit controversial, but, oh, gee, watching Stephen May knock out Steph Martin from the Lions, just... <laughs> I must have watched that replay a million times. Um, there's a, there's, a, there's a, a guy called... Um, Aussie guy and he does he does the commentary for it and he's a Lions fan it's just funny you know Gaz given given Steph Martin a little push in the back to put him off balance and then May comes out and it, I mean it was a terrible terrible thing um, but you could see the intent was it wasn't to maim him it was just to take him out and it, it went a bit high um, the, at that point the Suns hadn't been beaten that year and they were leading that game. And then Stephen May does that. The Lions come up, come back and win the game. The Suns lose the next seven games and the season's over. So, you know, uh, but it was very memorable, I'll tell you right now. It certainly added some spice to the Q clashes. They were starting mm. to get a bit tired around that stage. And, oh, uh, May's been suspended three times in Q clashes. Mm. <laughs> well, now he's at Melbourne, so he's Melbourne's problem. But um, <laughs> all right, Mitch, your favourite moment. Yeah, I couldn't look past the first Gold Coast Suns win, round five, 2011. Trailed by, I'm just looking at the, the stats here. Trailed by, in the deep that third quarter, yeah, four, yep. 40 points when Daniel Motlop put um, Portalade 40 points up, 28 minutes into the third quarter. Hmm. Ablett and Luke Russell gold, and then the Suns just willed themselves over the line in that last quarter. Brandon Matera kicked four goals, and as you mentioned earlier, Gary Ablett was involved in anything. And uh, when it comes to first win, they only had to wait four games um, to taste success. I still remember that game. It was pouring rain at um, the old footy park. Yeah, I remember that as well. I was on holidays in Coffs Harbour. I'd watched the first half and thought, no, there's no point watching the rest of this. And uh, I think I'd just come back from a massage. And uh, it was three-quarter time and started to see the, the uprising, see the suns come back and... Yeah, it was a great performance. Uh, almost had a bittersweet ending with Char- um, Justin Westhoff having a shot after the siren. But, <laughs> yeah, it, it was a fantastic game. Fantastic day to celebrate as well. It, it's memorable for me for, for different reasons. Um, I It was the, the five-day long weekend, if you recall. It was, it was this time of year. It was uh, Anzac Day and Easter had, came up against each other. And so we, we got a five-day long weekend. And um, my daughter was born nine months later, so I, uh, I remember it for different reasons. But, but um, there was a, literally a mini baby boom 
um, bit from that long weekend, especially for Suns fans having something to celebrate for the first time. So, yeah, that's what I remember of it. Honey bourbon and and, uh, and getting a bit carried away. <laughs> anyway, moving along. You always bring it down to that, don't you, Tom? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that concludes the top our five favourite moments. We've got a couple of mentions from fans. Um, Mr. Bods in the chat says the game against Collingwood where Ablett did his shoulder was his favourite. Uh, the way the Suns held on for that win uh, and the crowd getting involved was a pretty historic moment for him. We've got Sharon Edwards on Facebook. Her favourite was the, the Suns' first win at Metricon Stadium against GWS in round 20, 2012. And um, Mount Isa Mustang, his favourite was the Q Clash one as well. So a couple of favourite moments for our fans to reminisce about. Um, all right, well, thanks for joining us on the show, Mitch. Uh, it's great to have you on. Uh, Paul Vosti recommended you. He said you're a bit of a, uh, a Suns favourite. Yeah, I am yeah. A- I am building a bit of love for the Suns, and I did. Um, I know Paul will be listening, so I did fail to mention um, the uh, the Suns win over North Melbourne in the rain at um, at Cairns. The Wayne Bowes apparently uh, oh, yeah. lift, lifted the roof off the uh, pavilion that night. So <laughs> I can imagine uh, Jack, Jack Bowes, old man at Cavalier Stadium. So he he does love a few drinks, uh, Wayne. <laughs> so I can quite imagine what he would have been like that night. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that that was it. That was tremendous, uh, especially being uh, Stuart Juice, you know, early days for him, and and uh, and the Suns weren't given much of a chance. But yeah, it was just torrential, wasn't it? Yeah, and I've, I actually have seen Wayne at the footy, and when it comes to characters and people to have around the Suns, there's um, I couldn't couldn't imagine too many other parents across the comp having as much love for their footy clubs. So it's great that people like that do exist at um, at footy clubs. Yeah, especially a, a club like the Suns that's struggling yeah. to, to bring that sort of character. Uh, I know Wayne's taken it on board. He's included a lot of the uh, the club's players' families in, into into that circle, and they really try to, to get together and, and make it a good family event. So great to see, and I assume every young player that comes into the club is being included into that as well. Um, all right. Well, thanks for jumping on board and giving us your time, Mitch. Hopefully, we can have you on the show again in the near future. I'll have to do a double up with the tombstone. Oh, uh, yeah. Both profess our love for the Suns. You know, why not? Why not? We'll get uh, Riley Beveridge on as well. <laughs> yeah. oh, and then we can have the <laughs> AFL Exchange trifecta. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, bro. All right, yeah, thanks, well, the, the, don't let the boys push you around, Mitch. I, I listened to your last couple of shows, and they, they've been they've been getting their their uh, their their, their, their one two punch on, haven't they? They've been ganging up on you. I know. I seem like I'm copping it from both corners at the moment. I'll have to maybe push back. Yeah. Yeah, right. well, we'll be cheering for you and listening. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for your insights because, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really, really uh, good to be able to obviously, you know, hear from someone who's you know, got, got that inside knowledge. And uh, and certainly, uh, you know, we do appreciate that uh, there are not that many people in the media who even like the Suns. So, yeah, it's great. Well, fingers, it... crossed, fingers crossed I get to the quarantine hub and I can uh, see it firsthand, you know, First hand in the workings of Metricon Stadium and uh, Dewey leading the boys into some uh, some big wins in 2020. 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, if that happens, um, hopefully COVID restrictions are, are lifted a bit and uh, I can catch up with you, shout to you a beer or something. Sounds good, boys. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Mitch. Have a good one. Bye. Too. All right. See ya. All right. That was fantastic having Mitch on the line. Great bloke to talk to. Uh, we're down to the last two minutes, Tom. So is there anything else you want to add? Um, look, I, it's not exactly Suns related, but I did I did share it on our Facebook page. Um, look, Goober Crossley's accepted a 12-month ban, which is backdated, so he's basically going to be back for Southport Sharks, which is good for Gold Coast footy, good for him and his family. And, you know, if he's going to have a crack at an AFL career... A ban longer than 12 months would have just wiped him out. So, you know, he'll be back. Uh, he and his younger brother, Ashton, will be playing for the Sharks when, when the NEFL gets going again. So something to look forward to. And good luck to him. Uh, well, yeah, good luck to the Crossley family. I have reservations about him playing for the Suns again. Hopefully he can get back into the AFL. And uh, Well, well it, was, it was determined that the, 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 the cocaine didn't get into his system uh, I can't remember the exact words, but they're, they're saying it was ex- accidental. Mm. And um, so, you know, w- what that means, whether it was a spiked drink, we, you know, we, potentially now he can come out and, and say exactly what's what's happened. Yeah. But they've they've proven his innocence. That's, that's essentially what what they've done. Very similar to the Sam Murray case, where it was it was it was proven to be incidental and not and not an intentional thing. So I don't think it I don't think it marks his character. Well, with the top up potential top up for. Uh, if they're, they're going to have uh, larger sides to cope with a, a high amount of games in a short period of time this year, mm-hmm. he could certainly come into the AFL again and play some footy. Otherwise, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see where his path takes him. That's it for us tonight, Tom. Thanks for listening to the GC Suns cast. Go Suns! Go Suns! How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores.